This time of year, our skin gets so dry, especially for those of us who live in cold climates. So I couldn't live without One Earth Body Care. Their Skin Fix, which is great for your entire body. It's a thick, wonderful salve. You can rub it in your hands to soften it, and it makes your skin amazing. There's a day and night facial oil, which I use every day and night, and it really, really has helped my skin. There's a sleep balm that is also a salve consistency that has lavender and other things to help you relax. Of course, my all-time favorite is their natural deodorant because I am no longer smelly. If you've got a baby, they've got a baby butt saver. The other thing that has completely transformed my hair is their shampoo and conditioner bars. They've got Skin Fix for Pets, which has helped my glue stop eating his paws all the time or nibbling on them. And of course, they also have a pet shampoo bar. Please check them out at OneEarthBodyCare.com. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Health Power. I'm very excited about today's show because the world is a very scary and dangerous place. As a matter of fact, my daughter and her girlfriend, they want to move to Ireland and I don't, I, I'm sure Ireland's great, but I want to stay here in the U.S. The problem is they're nervous about school shootings. They're both gay. My daughters were Jewish. I mean, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of hate crimes. There's a lot of fear. So I'm very excited to have the wonderful Sam Rosenberg here on the program. He is one of the top international security experts. He's going to be talking about his fantastic book, Live Ready, A Guide to Protecting Yourself in an Uncertain World. Sam, I need this book. I want to keep my daughter here. How are you today? Hey, Lisa. I'm well. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. You know, I can't really blame her for being afraid because quite frankly, it's very disturbing what's going on around here. Yeah, I mean, the world is a dangerous place, and it, it always has been. The reality right. is that it is definitively more dangerous now than in any other time in history that I can see. Right. Um, and, you know, there are real challenges, but that doesn't mean that we can't navigate uh, this world safely, and it, can't mean that we, it doesn't mean we can't do it with confidence. Um, my personal belief system is that there's nothing worth doing that is without risk. Going to Ireland is not without risk. Uh, you know, the, the thing is, is that it's about having the skill sets and the know-how to recognize that you can handle yourself in any situation, that you can recognize danger right. in advance, avoid it, make the right decisions, be able to think under pressure, all of those critical life skills that this book enables. Yeah. One of the things that I love is that in the book, you actually talk about how to recognize these people, how to understand their methods and their motivations. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I I think just as a a quick 30,000-foot view, um, you know, I've been protecting people and organizations for the last 25 years and teaching them how to protect themselves. My background is in close protection. I've done celebrity protection, dignitary protection. I've protected some of the highest profile people under situations where they were, in fact, being targeted. And the goal of this book is to teach people the same skills and tools, if you will, the secrets of the close protection craft so that you can protect yourselves. And the number one aspect of that is being able to get ahead of that curve, to not wait until bad things happen and react, but to be able to recognize danger in advance. And to keep it very simple, you know, there are only really three kinds of bad guys out there, what I call professionals, predators, and potential bad guys. And while professional bad guys are that category that includes mass killers and serial killers and serial child molesters, things like that, we're talking about people who are functionally mission-oriented, 
You know, these are people who have a, a targeting, if they will, very specific targets for specific reasons under specific circumstances. Right. Potential bad guys are kind of anybody on a bad day, right? You know, they're situationally driven. They might be drunk or high or, or whatnot. And at the end of the day, we want to know how to manage those situations. They don't escalate because right. if we mismanage them, there's the potential for violence. Predatory people are the category that most people think of in self-defense, you know, yeah. people looking to do rape, robbery, murder, assault. And, and there's a little bit more of the complexity because they're not just the guys with the ski mask jumping out of the bushes. They're people who use charm and persuasion and who oh, are yeah. very sophisticated. Yes. So the ability to recognize the indicators that you are in the vicinity of one of these kinds of people or that, that potentially you're in a scenario where you're being targeted is really no more complex than recognizing the changing seasons, you know, if you know what the signs are to look for. Right. Um, most people think that violence is random. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they say something just happened out of the blue or nobody saw it coming. But the reality is that violence is a process and it's a process that is observable and predictable. If you understand how each of these bad guys manage their, their dynamics, how do they mm -hmm. go about their target selection? Why do they cho choose certain people under certain circumstances? And how do you avoid being chosen in the first place? Um, and if you can recognize how to avoid it, then you can also recognize when you're being targeted, how to deter, how to deter it right. or defuse it. Uh, and then certainly, of course, how to be able to defend yourself if you actually find yourself tied up with one of these dynamics. Yeah. Well, talk to us about if maybe there's somebody in your life or that maybe it's a friend of a friend and you just get a bad vibe from this feeling, right? And you're mm -hmm. like, from this person, you're like, you know, I just, there's something not right, but oh no, just go out with him anyway. He's great. Sorry to use a man, but I'm just, yeah, it's you know, a no, that's. And you're, you're kind of, your hackles go up, right? What, what kind of things can you do to kind of figure out more if this is a dangerous person? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that you want to recognize is that our first warning signs, our first radar, if, if you will, is that intuitive vibe, right. okay, that we get this creepy guy vibe, right? You yeah. Know, the oh, yeah. Hair stands that. up on the back of your neck. You get this chill runs down your spine. Yeah. Um, you just get a, a sensation that you can't trust this person. Mm -hmm. One of the dynamics there is what we all tend to do is we have a tendency to dismiss or minimize that intuition. Yeah. You know, like you said, people say, yeah. oh, I'll just go on with them anyway. Or we end up, you know, finding ourselves talking ourselves out of our own radar where we say, well, I don't want to judge a book by its cover mm -hmm. or, you know, I want to be an inclusive and welcoming person or, um, you know, we just dismiss it out of hand saying I'm overreacting right. and we don't trust our radar. Uh, the reality, though, is all of that behavior, what I call the veils of denial that we sort of all have been conditioned to operate within what we do is we become the only animal in the animal kingdom that would willingly participate uh -huh. in its own victimization. Right. And we need to trust that intuition. But what I found is the way you learn to trust that intuition is by knowing what to look for. Right. So the specifics, um, we go into the difference between sort of like threat displays, okay, that say, the guy who says, what are you looking at? Right. And yeah. someone says, not much. What are you looking at? And it starts to escalate right. kind of a guy thing. Typically you, that's clearly a mismanaged dynamic, but what I'm talking about is to be able to pick up on the subtle body language, right? 
Um, things like proximity are very important. I'll give you an example. Since you brought up a very specific kind of social dynamic, and just go out with them anyway. How many times have, has, has one ever been out with someone? Let's say a girl goes out with a guy and the guy inappropriately touches, you know, he's constantly being touchy-feely or he leans in really close to kind of whisper in your ear. And, and these kinds of behaviors right. are very small but very noticeable boundary violations. Right. And you say to yourself, well, it makes me uncomfortable, but to go along to get along, you sort of don't enforce those boundaries. One of the dynamics that I've noticed over the years, even just from the standpoint of protecting people and, and, and helping people manage what we would call inappropriate pursuit dynamics, kind of stalking, but not maybe to the level of criminal stalking. You know, we yeah. have this, I, you can't get rid of him um, right. all the way up to the, I, if I can't have you, no one can dynamic. Yes. One of the dynamics that I've noticed to be a very serious commonality of those perpetrators is boundary violations. So someone who, after you meet him once, you know, they just walk right in your house or um, they take liberties. And when you recognize it as a boundary violation, we tend to recoil from that and go, that was a little inappropriate. But what we do then is we say, it's probably no big deal. He's just a touchy feely guy. And we don't realize that we're doing what's happening is we're being groomed no different than a child molester would groom a young child to not understand what's appropriate and what's inappropriate in a situation so that they can start to create scenarios where victimization can occur. All right. And that's, that's just the surface of it. Um, The book actually gets into details of what are these indicators? How do you know if you're dealing with a sociopath? I mean, the most dangerous animal in the world. How do you know if you're dealing with someone who is just looking at this as a game and a process of how do they manipulate and exploit you? Hmm. Can you just tell us, I want people to get the book, but can you just tell us one clue about how you can recognize a sociopath? I'll give you a very powerful one. Okay. Okay. So sociopaths lie the way we breathe. Right. Okay. And, you know, they use deception. They've learned to use deception from an early age uh, with unbelievable skill. So, it, and it's so skillful that you'll doubt yourself. You know, the classic gaslighting dynamic, and you literally will doubt your own recollection of events. Mm. They're so skillful at manipulation and deceit. And the idea here is when they get caught, when you clearly catch them right. in a deceit, a, a deception, and you call them out on it, typically what they'll do is they'll pivot and they'll try and deceive more and more. And if you hold fast, to holding their feet to the fire, so to speak, and accountable. What yeah. sociopaths will almost always do, and this is the dead giveaway, is they will fall into a pity play. Very often tears, oh my God, I'm just having a hard time. I'm trying to keep it together. I don't want to lose you or whatever this kind of dynamic is, this pity play uh, right. is a clear indicator that you are dealing with a very dangerous personality. And the reason why I say that is because it almost always works. And that's one of the reasons why they use it. So decent people versus indecent people, Mm -hmm. if we look at categories, decent people have empathy. You know, we, we want to help others. We don't want to hurt people. Okay. Yeah. What sociopaths 
understand is that they lack that. They don't understand it and they see it as a weakness in you and me and everyone else. It's like a weakness they see in their prey. And they will exploit that weakness to their betterment and to your potential downfall. And it very often works. And the pattern of behavior is when you receive that pity play, and if you want to validate it, then don't fall for it, okay? And when you refuse to fall into that pity dynamic, what ends up happening next is almost always some level of anger, threats, and escalation of behavior. And that is almost the universal indicator that we are dealing with a dangerous personality. That's in one particular case. Um, There are actually three kinds of sociopaths that I break down in the book, uh, what we call parasitic sociopaths, uh, covetous sociopaths, and sadistic sociopaths. And they all manifest some very key personality similarities. They also manifest very different modalities of how they choose to kind of operate through life and how they victimize people and the destruction that they cause in their wake. Um, And I say they're the most dangerous animals because the book addresses all of these kinds of people from your typical potential street criminal to the, you know, serial killer or, you know, sociopathic level, um, you know, destructive personality, even the ones that the vast majority are not violent. They just are destructive. Right. Um, all the way to active shooters and terrorists. We, we deal with all those dimensions in ways mm. that are really easy to understand. And, and more importantly, what are the critical indicators? How do you recognize them? How do you spot them? What do you do with it if you actually spot them in your world? Right. And you know, how do you overcome the fact that you may realize you're dealing with someone like this? And believe it or not, none of your friends and family will believe you because oh, they're so... Uh, sucked into the deception that they just can't imagine right. that what you're saying is true. But and they're that, so charming, right? What are exactly. you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Charm he, is actually the first warning sign. Okay. You know, Gavin De Becker, who I, I think is an f- absolute brilliant leader, thought leader in this industry, mm-hmm. um, studied his work extensively. I quote him in my book. You know, he talks about how you want to change the way you think of charm. Uh, yeah. Instead of saying, oh, he's so charming, you want to think of it as, why is this person trying to charm me? Oh, and okay. that repositions your mind in such a way that you can actually start to more clearly see the warning signs. Yeah. Um, and I even break down a lot of the tactics, if you will, that very sophisticated persuasion predators use to prey upon young people, particularly women, mm. um, by preying on their uh, sort of their psychology and you know what they want and need and how do they create these exploitation cycles right. uh, that is basically the same in any domestic violence situation, any kind of exploitation scenario. Talk to us about the psychographic profile. And this has to do with school mm-hmm. shootings, workplace shootings, terrorism. What does that mean? And, and how does that make it even more danger to people because of the way they, they you know, they talk about it? Yeah. So, you know, in a, in a nutshell, all right, if you talk to any expert on mass homicide and, mm-hmm. and the FBI has some remarkably good people on this uh, and there's some remarkably good private sector experts, what they will all agree upon is that there is no profile of a mass killer. 
but the problem with that is what they're really saying is there's no demographic profile, okay. meaning that it can come from any a mass shooter can be any race, gender, age, socioeconomic background, et cetera. And that is all true. Um, however, there is what I call a psychographic profile. And that psychographic profile is that I've noticed from studying this dynamic for 25 plus years, commonalities within the psychology of these bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one commonality, if we will, and this is not to do a full breakdown because there's two chapters of this in the yeah. book um, or a full chapter of the psychology and one about how to deal with it. The Not to get off on the whole detail of it, but sure. number one thing we want to understand is that all of these folks are very mission-oriented and they're looking for notoriety. Okay. You know, they want recognition for their, their acts. They want people to think that they are special and that they're, you know, they're mad and they want everyone to know about why they're mad. And they actually think everyone will care. Right. And the two sort of like, uh, toxic cocktails, if you will, of their psychology that, that are both independently toxic to be around. One is a type of narcissism where the narcissism is such that they truly believe that they are superior, okay? Um, The second type of of cocktail is one in which they truly believe that they are being victimized. They sort of have a very particular kind of paranoia that they're being victimized by a particular group, race, culture, whatever. We've seen commonalities of men hating women, um, you know, obviously oh, yeah. Jews, Muslims, Christians, whites, black, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, what we're seeing is someone who is deeply, deeply character disordered, you know, to potentially sociopathic or maybe just on that scale of sociopathic tendencies. Right. Um, but the mentality is that they really believe that, for example, uh, Jews are to blame for all of their problems, not only the world's problems, but personally for their problems. They're not happy because it's their fault. Yes. And at the same time, they truly believe they are superior to all of them. So when you mix those two cocktails together, you have a very explosive chemical reaction. And we, that's when we start to get a glimpse into the psychology of someone who could, who could commit homicide, mass homicide, or atrocity. Now, there's a whole nother layer to that, which are what I call the situational factors, because there's lots of people, unfortunately, in our society that are wired this way, and more every day, uh, not just in America, but around the globe. And the problem is that we have lots of people who are predisposed, but not as many people that act out on it. And the situational processes are how they arrive effectively at a decision from sort of going from quasi-normalcy to deciding, and decision is the key, that violence is the appropriate or the only response that they can have. So, and this is is exactly what we see with Hamas. It's what we see with every school shooter, workplace shooter. Um, You know, we see it in every single scenario. There's there are a few that we don't have as much evidence to look at, to, to evaluate, but we still see some of the kind of pointers, you know, the warning signs that point to them. Um, and every case that I've evaluated, we start seeing these commonalities over and over again. So that's what really that I talk about the psychographic profile was that arc, if you will, 
of predisposition, someone who right. could who could in fact commit horrific violence. And I'll just caveat it to say this. Sure. I truly believe, Lisa, that anybody, given the wrong circumstances or the, the cir- a set of circumstances, anybody could be violent. You know, um, a lot of people I train are women, and a lot of women say, I could never hurt anyone, right? And, and if I just pause and wait for a moment, there's always like an unless. Yeah, and the unless is like, unless they're hurting my kids, right? Yeah. Um, and then it's like, they're the most dangerous creatures on the planet, right? You know, where it's like, you know, oh, a, yeah. a guy will hurt you. A woman like that will destroy you. Yes. So the idea here is that everybody is capable of violence, but the rationalization that violence is the appropriate behavior or that it's justifiable behavior, especially violence against the innocent, uh, right. you know, atrocity is a very rare, very kind of distinct psychology. Yeah. You know, Sam, I, I, you're always welcome to come back. I, I have to let you go. Unfortunately, there's so much more to talk about. The book again is fantastic. Live ready, a guide to protecting yourself in an uncertain world. Sam, tell us all the ways we can find you. Easiest thing to do is go to liveready.com, uh, excuse me, liveready.book.com. Um, that's the landing page of the book. We'll take you everywhere. I've got some free online courses. The book is there. And it's, of course, available everywhere books are sold, Amazon, et cetera. We hit the top new release in our right. uh, category. I'm so, not yeah, surprised. Everybody keep coming back to Health Power. Rate and review, subscribe, and get Sam's book. It's fantastic. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.